This is the 25th episode of the Mining Your Business podcast, a show all about process mining, data science, and advanced business analytics. I am, for the 25th time, Patrick, and with me, for the 25th time, my colleague Jakub. Hi. Hi, Patrick, for the 25th time. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, we are going to talk through some of our episodes and talk about the key learnings that we took from them. I hope you're ready. Strap in. Let's get into it. Hello again, Process Mining community, and welcome to Mining Your Business podcast. Today, we will be contemplating. Why? <laughs> well, because we already made it to the episode 25 in such a niche topic as process mining. And man, oh man, what a ride it has been. Uh, we talked to so many interesting guests, not to mention uh, how many others are lined up for the future episodes. And we learned so much. Uh, this is really insane for me. Uh, the biggest key learnings of our show thus far, we want to share with you, our listeners. We think these gems are really useful for anyone, no matter whether you are a, a consultant such as ourselves, a BI analyst, or a project manager. We will tell you what these findings mean for us, how to apply them, uh, who told us in the first place? Uh, or what are some of the interesting results that we have after applying these, these learnings? But before we get into it, uh, Patrick, my friend, how do you feel about making it all the way to episode 25? Uh, it's almost a year <laughs> since episode one. And, uh, I mean, uh, this is, this is huge. Yeah. Um, it's been a little surreal because it seems like. It was only yesterday we decided to start this podcast and here we are 25 episodes later with um, an ever-growing community, um, with an ever-growing number of listeners and it's kind of surreal that we've gotten to this place. I still can't really believe it myself um, looking at the stats. Um, so thank you, first of all, everyone listening. It's been a wild ride and you helped us get here. So um, thank you for that. Yeah, uh, we are actually recording uh, by the end of November, uh, even though this episode will air by the end of December. And just recently, we have passed uh, the 5,000 downloads, 5,000 listens uh, of our podcast. And again, I just want to thank you all for, for being here with us, for uh, making this possible. And really, uh, this, this feedback loop, seeing the numbers uh, steadily grow, actually uh, makes us want to record more and more and uh, we we really enjoy it uh, i was <laughs> I, I don't think it's a secret i was very stressed about it when we were starting out because uh, uh you know the first initial thought you're gonna have how can i record uh, a 45 minute show about something as process mining right yeah absolutely it's like one of those things that we asked ourselves who is going to listen to this you know <laughs> like the bottom like bottom line we need to at least get one or two listeners. And all of a sudden, here we are with so many of you um, listening to the show that um, it's, it's really wild to see. It's one of those things that um, looking at the stats of where you guys all are, it's kind of crazy. Like we're connecting people from all over the world um, to this show. And it's so nice to see that we're finding these people that have the same interests as us in different locations. You know, they have different um, approaches, but they, you know, we all share this common enthusiasm for, um, for process mining. That's really, really nice to see. I know your mother really enjoys listening to us, right? She does. She does. <laughs> Hi, mom. Uh, yeah, but anyway, also, uh, we've noticed that even some, some candidates that uh, are applying for jobs at our company are also listening to the show, which is 
really, really nice to hear actually that people are interested in what we've got to say and want to learn more. So once again, thank you very much. If you have any recommendation, if you want to just get in touch, ask us something, uh, you know where to find us. Uh, our email is miningyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. So just drop us an email. We would love to hear from you. Or, or just write us on LinkedIn. We're p- pretty active on LinkedIn as well. So True, true. Um, yeah, so that's a little intro. I just wanted to, to boast a bit uh, because <laughs> <laughs> we really enjoy what we are doing. And uh, in today's episode, as I already mentioned in the beginning, we want to uh, you know, dig a bit in our history in the episodes we've done so far because today this is 25th episode. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice rounded number, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, right. We want to discuss some key learnings, some things that the guests told us, uh, as we interviewed them and what it does really mean for us in terms of our work, how we approach projects, what we do, uh, maybe what we do differently. And, uh, obviously we will also point you to the episodes where you can find out a bit more about it. Uh, and that being said, let's start uh, with number one. Uh, and number one comes from Eric Jan van der Linden, who we had in episode 21. And uh, the, the learning really here is uh, splitting teams up into groups and seeing what they come up with. Um, so this is really something that's applicable at a value creation phase. Essentially, the first moment where, uh, when you have any results, when you have built the first dashboards, the first process mining cockpit, and you see your, your happy path, you, you see the, as Eric called it, uh, spaghetti monster, right? You see the deviations <laughs> of the processes, you see the bottlenecks and everything. And then suddenly you start wondering, what in earth is this? Is this even my process? And this is a unique opportunity because everybody's new into it. So everybody sees it for the first time, except maybe the person who built it. And uh, this really calls for, uh, as I said, splitting the team into groups and give them an hour, really take an hour from a workshop and have them uh, dig into the process for the first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's It's one of those things where um, like Eric Jan said, it's people look at it and they see electrical wiring. Whereas, you know, you give them the tools in order to dissect what you're showing them in this process cockpit and just let them run loose a little bit. Let them see what they can click down to, see what trends they can find. And it's a very exploratory, uh, exploratory uh, way of looking at data. And, um, yeah, once they come back, they all have different results, right? That is uh, one of the things that we have also looked into splitting people up in our value creation. Um, and the results have been uh, pretty interesting, I should say. Uh, so you've already applied it, Patrick, with some of your some of your customers? Absolutely. I think one of them so far, because um, I remembered the episode and I said, okay, let's have this approach. Let's give them 30 minutes and just uh, give them all access to the, to the analysis and let them just filter. Obviously, you need to make sure, first of all, that they know how to use the tool, right? Right. Because for a lot of them, it's the first time they've seen it. So a basic um, filtering, where to click, how to unclick, and things like that are necessary. But once you do that, just say, okay, it doesn't really matter if it's uh, what you're looking at or when you're looking at it or like in what time frame. Just have a look, see what you can right. find, right? Just get them used to using the tool because you can describe how to ride a bike to someone, but you know, actually doing it, they, they, they just got to get <laughs> on the bike and do it themselves. I like this analogy with the bike. 
Um, did you also notice that uh, after these 30 minutes, they came up with some different findings, different results based on what group you segregated them into? And maybe one follow-up question. Did you think about the groups beforehand or did you just uh, ad hoc say, you know, uh, these two will be together, these two will be together and that's it? Um, I actually just did it um, at complete random. I wanted to see if some of the finance people and some of the um, more process-specific people that are working in, for example, mm -hmm. purchasing or something like that, um, what they saw and that they could immediately discuss on the findings that they saw, right? right? So what ended up happening really is that there wasn't so much like really clicking around, but the discussion started pretty much immediately, right? Yeah. Between what is looking at, you know, when the process actually starts for whom, what the overlap is, what role people play in the process, what it's telling them, what it's showing them. And the discussions like just went for the f full 30 minutes. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's lovely. And I like to hear that uh, whatever our guests are telling us actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, let's move to number two. And I just need to mention that there is no specific order to these, to these learnings. So I think they are all equally important in different parts of the project. Uh, so just hang with us on this one. Um, number two is that uh, after a handover, which is essentially the, 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 the time that you, for the first time, hand over the project, which could be after, let's say, first value creation workshop or even after the, let's say, preliminary uh, technical implementation is finished, uh, you hand over the project to a customer and then uh, you agree to have, let's say, a 15 or 30 minute meeting every other day for a validation. Uh, this tip actually comes from Daniel Jakob Reiner, who we had in episode 17. And it really da comes down to the simple fact that you keep the feedback loop very, very short and very, very intense. Because uh, what we noticed over uh, many implementations we've done in the past is that uh, the initial, let's say, pushback from the people who know the process, uh, be it business people, be it IT people, is relatively big. And uh, you have to build the trust. You have to build the trust that whatever you are showing is actually matching the reality. And not necessarily this is always the case. You, After all, you are, uh, you are implementing it. You are coming with some solutions. And the more custom-made custom system you are dealing with, the more deviations there might be. And... Uh, you know, uh, settling uh, this trust from the very beginning by having short feedback loops and talking to people who are working with the data on, let's say, every other day uh, is huge in terms of building the bridge. So you're saying that it's the opposite of building or getting the requirements on one workshop and then coming back two months later and saying, here's the final product, trust us, it's correct. Rather, and your approach is now saying that you should engage the people more regularly, have more discussions with them and kind of build this uh, in shorter cycles. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just to put it into perspective, uh, you will need some time after the first, let's say, workshop where you define the goals, where you define the process. Uh, you will need two to three weeks at least to build some, build some ground, right? Uh, at that phase, any contact is actually undesired because I think the data scientist... Uh, whether it's external or internal, need some time to focus and to actually build a solution. But as soon as there is a MVP, so a minimal viable product, which is the process in some form, 
doesn't have to be perfect, but it is working and it's showing uh, the, the data, the reality. At this point, you have to start involving people uh, uh, who are responsible for this process and discuss it with them as, as, as often as possible because they can navigate you, they can steer you in the way that you are supposed to work and tell you, uh, you know, this use case, we said this, but actually, you know, there are some, some exceptions that don't apply for it and you have to be aware. And as you are involving the people, they start trust you, they start trust the process as well and feel more comfortable with it. And that's the ultimate goal here. Um, I mean, I know that you've had some experience applying this uh, strategy with one of your more recent clients. And I wanted to ask you, how does that compare or the success of that project, how does that compare to the previous ones you did where you didn't apply the strategy? Yeah, it's it's big. The customer loved it uh, because they uh, felt uh, they felt that we are there for them every day. They felt that we value them a lot and that we are trying to do the best we can to, to help them to, to meet their goals with the process mining initiative. And <clears throat> right. Yeah, essentially, uh, also the people who were supposed to at some point take over from us, uh, from the implementation perspective, they were very happy to talk to us on, on, on so, so often on uh, such often basis because it just helped them to, to get more into the problematics. And on the other side, when we didn't do that in previous projects, um, it happened that we were doing something for a week or two, and then we had, uh, you know, an, uh, like an update call and nobody really knew where we are. Uh, there were very little ideas coming up from those, uh, implementations. So if you're working on a use case and the, the person who's overseeing you sees it every other day, there will be a bunch of ideas from that. While on the other side, when uh, the person doesn't see that, and then in two weeks, uh, he or she sees it for the first time. Um, you know, it's probably going to be more doubt than ideas what to improve, right? Yeah, and it's also like ideas take time, right? So from the first time you see the tool to the finished product, right, you don't have all your ideas and all the things you want to see in your final product right at the beginning, yeah. right? It's iterative in a way that once you develop the idea, you say, ah, it's, it's actually not that good. Let's change it though. We've learned some things yeah. about this idea and let's just keep iterating, right? This iterative loop, you know, these the final product comes in stages of ideas, right? So you're just giving them time to develop them. Absolutely, Patrick. Um, let's move to, to number three. Uh, and that is from our own uh, Nico, Nicolas Müller, uh, who you could hear in episode 18. Uh, and that is, don't plan scoping before you connect the data. Um, Patrick, what would you say about that? Oh, yeah, this is um, undeniably true. There is uh, nothing worse than getting everybody super pumped and super excited for the upcoming project where we build them analyses based on process mining. A lot of people have heard about it. You know, some people are excited. Some people don't know what to think, right? But you're in that meeting. You're telling them, hey, we can, we can look at this, maybe give them a small demo or, or something, but we can look at your data. Everyone's really excited. And then, okay, First steps, we need to connect the data, right? And from all our experience, I think we also had another episode where we talked about this. Um, yeah. It can take a long, long time before we actually get data and can actually build the analyses that we were so um, enthusiastic about a couple of months ago, right? Yeah. By then, people have moved on to other things. People have already switched departments. You know, who knows what could have happened? Yeah. And all of a sudden, that enthusiasm and all that drive needed to actually finish the project on time and well 
is completely gone, right? Yeah. All the momentum's gone. You know, the 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 people backing the project are starting to doubt, you know, because it's taking way longer than w- what they thought it would take and things like that. So making sure that as soon as you have that enthusiastic drive and you want to get that going, you already have data so you can get started yeah. right away. Yeah. Um, happened to me, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so I had two projects coming up, uh, essentially around the same time, April 2020. Uh, so yeah, everybody's excited. Everybody wants to do process mining. Everybody wants to sell on this. Let's get into it, right? So we had the scoping workshop. We, uh, interestingly, also the processes were the same. We both did uh, purchase pay uh, with one more focused on AP, the other more focused on the actual purchasing or procurement part. And uh, we did the workshop. And then, bam, one, uh, one customer, I found out that they actually are working in a database that is not supported anymore. Very archaic, very old database. Oh, no. So we had to just uh, figure out a way, uh, basically build a bridge or gap the bri- gap the, bridge the gap, sorry, uh, between uh, the, the, the cloud where we needed to have the data and between the very old database. So we had to... Uh, squeezing another piece, another database where they first exported the data and then pushed it uh, to the cloud. Took us about five months. And the other customer where there was some security issues and we had to incorporate another piece of security that at that time was not standard and essentially no one ever used it. So uh, it took us also about five or six months before we get that going. (laughs) <laughs> and as you said, Patrick, by then, uh, nobody even remembers that there was a, a scoping workshop for something called process mining, not yeah. to mention people leave sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that on that, all that knowledge and all that um, drive and all that, especially if the, like the, the, the sponsor of, of the initiative, you know, the one that's the most enthusiastic that wants to put their, their weight behind it is, could also be gone or has lost faith in five to six months. That's a long, long time, you know? Yeah. So uh, people don't do scoping, don't talk to the business people before you know that you can get the data. Um, Moving to number four, uh, and that comes from Telmo Silva, uh, who we had in episode 19. And that's uh, something, Patrick, you're going to hate, but it's uh, graphics and colors matter. What makes you say I hate that? (laughs) I know how you always feel about uh, me I don't want to say some curse word here, uh, but uh, let's say um, me correcting you and telling you that the design is actually important. <laughs> yeah, I've I've come to I've come to see see the truth in this. Um, it's it's the first impressions that really matter in in a lot of ways. You know, even when they shouldn't, right? You know, if the the content is good, you know that should speak for itself. But for the initial impression, it needs to be clean. It needs to be as well. As well as clean as also functional, right? So it needs to it needs to do a bit of both. And you cannot just do rainbow colors as much as you want and have an analysis that looks completely all over the place. Users don't know what to click. Users don't know what it means. That's not yeah. a good first impression to make. You can have the best product in the world, but if you cannot package it and make it look nice, nobody's going to care. And uh, it's not only that, but, uh, you know, colors matter when you are trying to interpret the data or to, to tell a story with the data. And if you are combining colors that uh, don't really match together, so for instance, uh, green. Green usually means something good. You are trying to show a trend that's positive. 
On the other side, uh, on the other side, when you are using red, that's usually something negative. Whenever you see a trend in the stock market, for instance, green is good, red is bad, and it's so uh, we have it rooted down in our minds so bad that if you mix these colors and and show this in a graph, then you are obviously already confusing the users. So these are just some things that you have to keep in mind of. And uh, uh, being a data scientist, you also must understand. Uh, what does it mean when you use a certain graph, certain way of displaying the data? Because it's part of our job, really. Absolutely. And here, um, I also had a eye-opening um, discussion a, a very a long time ago, a few years ago, where we were building a, a tool in Excel, of course. And um, I had a basic color scheme, like you described, green and red and things like that. And my colleague just goes, yeah, this is fine. I just can't tell what it says because I'm colorblind. Oh. And I, yeah, and all of a Damn. sudden, I had this realization that not only must you um, build nice-looking things, but also keep in mind there's some people that just cannot use this, right? So you need to kind of widen your your scope a little bit and say, how do the most amount of users get the most out of this analysis? And that includes building support for um, people with um, um, color blindness. Right? Yeah. If you're more interested in this topic, I know that there is uh, there are a bunch of books that are really just talking about how to visualize data. And I think it's fascinating uh, how you can tell yeah. the story with it. And one last tip before we move on to the next point. Uh, if you have a, a customer, uh, use their logo and then use the, the color palette from that logo. Uh, customers love it. So if the, if the reports is matching their brand, their colors, uh, I know that they will appreciate it. So just a little tip. Right, uh, and that pushes us, uh, pushes us to uh, point five, which is from Mirko Kloppenburg from Lufthansa, uh, who uh, it kind of diverts back into our previous point uh, where we were discussing those short feedback loops between the calls. Uh, and what Mirko says is uh, that... Uh, you know, regardless whether you are the implementation partner, whether you are implementing the, the tool, the process mining internally, or essentially any other BI thing, um, you should talk to the people as often as possible. Absolutely. It's, it cannot be understated that this is one of the main key points, not only because we, we talked about the enthusiasm, right? And we talked about the short uh, cycles, right? This is just adding a little, adding that, but in one kind of line, talking to the people getting them not only engaged, but also for you to understand what their biggest pain points are, what they're struggling with at the moment, what they wish they could do, but at the moment can't. And um, essentially the business logic, right? I kind of think about it in like three layers. One, there's the data layer that is pretty pretty much ones and zeros, right? Tells you a pretty good story. Then there's the business logic that kind of defines what the data is doing. And then there's the people on top, right? The people work inside the, the business layer and they have to tell you the tale of their business logic. And you have to then look at the data, see what lines up, what doesn't line up, and then go back and say, well, I looked at what you said. I kind of don't see it. Or yes, this is 100% true. I totally see what you mean. Right. So it's this constant feedback loop of looking at the data, knowing what the business logic is, and then talking to the people on top. Yeah. Uh, uh, Patrick, do you think that after hearing this from Mirko, uh, or generally while we are doing these podcasts, do you think you started to talk more to the people that we are dealing with in our projects than you might have done before? Absolutely. So one of the things that I've just noticed after going through this list, we are talking not about how to do data, 
or work with data. We are the four, like the main points so far have been how to work with people. And it's one of those things that Mirko really, like really drives home. He's focusing on the people behind the process, right? Really focusing on the, on the people that work inside. And I think that's such a powerful way to look at it because you could just say, well, we're looking at business logic and that's it. But there's people behind it. There's um, people that are driving the, the change of it and uh, the success of it as well. So um, one, with, with that being said, I do f- find myself now focusing more, not just the data because the data is pretty ar- arbitrary at this point. It's the, it's the people behind it that really, really make yeah. the decision that define the success or the failure of your project. Yeah, essentially revolve it around them and ask them why they want it, uh, how they want it, what value does it bring to them? And not only the project manager or let's say the people who are building the processes, but the people who are eventually going to be using the, the processes, the tool. And everything should revolve around what they think, what they want to measure and how can it help is their work because if you if you you know if they adopt uh, the tool then everyone's happy absolutely and this is also kind of leads back into a point that um eric jan van der linden pointed out you know you need to have business value you need to define value for the people when looking at any sort of analysis right it needs to translate back into actual value mm-hmm. for them right harping on this value is incredibly important Right, Patrick. And uh, I'm going to skip here a couple of points because uh, now <laughs> yeah. that you are mentioning the value, I initially had it as our as a number nine in our list, but I'm just going to say it right now as number six. And that comes from uh, Ricardo Enriquez, who you could have heard in the previous episode, uh, who said uh, that you've got to be obsessed with generating the value. Um at the end of the day, uh, whether you are doing uh, process mining, uh, business process management, and you're just doing some uh, essential reporting for your company, uh, financial, HR, whatever it is, um, if it doesn't bring any value, why are you doing it, right? Absolutely. It's, it shouldn't be just about showing a number. It should be about showing a number that can have a direct implication to something and with process mining, uh, it's not only about the implication, but you can actually measure the implication and do some precautions, take some steps to 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 even to, to either improve or prevent it from uh, happening in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And with process mining, you're so close to the actual inner workings of the company, right? You're reading the data as it's coming from the business logic, right? So you are very, very close to the inner workings. The, the ins and outs of the business, right? So changing that um, or being able to view that and viewing the best way how to change it um, is a very effective way onto you know, generating value and not only that, and also at the end of the day, saving money. Yeah, and that is why it helps to have a very precise, very, very concrete uh, business case at the beginning that you want to solve. And... Uh, if I am a person responsible for a process mining initiative within my company, then I would always take it step by step. And I would uh, focus on one use case and just go so deep into it uh, that it really is uh, state of art when it comes to execution. 
and just try to get as much value from this one use case, uh, you know, as possible before or, you know, before prioritizing others and moving to others. Exactly. Just having, don't reach out and have a massive scope of things you want to change. Go with step by step, focus on one. Once you've done that, tackle all the others. Yeah, you will be surprised how, first of all, how much effort it's going to take and how much <laughs> money you can eventually save with really, really going deep on, on, on one. Absolutely. Good. Uh, then let's move back a little for uh, number seven on, on our list. And that is from Manuel Mindel, uh, episode 14 where we uh, talked about the crossover be- between uh, business process management and process mining. And what Manuel Mindel said was to, to include the business people from day one. Now, I don't want to say that uh, this was something new to us, but I know that this can be also underestimated. And, uh, you know, as you probably noticed by now, this episode uh, seems to be all about this people interaction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have uh, ID backgrounds or engineering backgrounds. Uh, people is not really our, uh, I would say, uh, our thing. <laughs> so maybe it's just looking deeper into ourselves, uh, what we have been neglecting before and what we are improving now. But including business people from day one, for me, that day one would be, uh, you know, the kickoff, uh, the kickoff of the project. So don't do it only with ID people but start already with the business who should be aware of what you want to do and should uh, steer it in the way that it's, uh, at the end of the day, providing value for them. Absolutely. And this one is close and dear to my heart because um, I've had projects where um, the business people were kept from this, from day one, essentially the opposite of what we're telling you. And essentially what it boils down to, we built this tool and it was great. The analysis worked. Process mining was a... Was a was in play and we could you know track the process and it was good and then once that was done um we came to the users and and we told them hey look at it and see if you like it and if you like it you know validate it and their response was why should we care why should i care but i didn't ask for this i i had no say in this whatsoever i this is not showing me what I, what i want this is not showing me my biggest pain points i have i don't care about this and so obviously they didn't spend any time um validating it because they just didn't care which understandable you know they weren't consulted they weren't asked yeah so essentially what it boiled down to is the the project didn't go very well as you can imagine because uh none of the business users that we built the tool for actually asked for it Mm. Uh, have you ever wondered or have you ever found out uh what was the reason that the business was not uh involved in the initial phase um it was mainly a capacity issue so the the business people were dealing with other projects and just didn't have time, right. we were told. Um, so they didn't want to be involved at the beginning, but some of the project leads of this um, initiative had time. So we kind of squeezed it in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were going to look at it at a later date with the business people. And as you can imagine, that didn't really go that well. Yeah. And it maybe again, boils down to the value uh, perspective of process mining. And uh, it's a great tool. I think uh, it would work essentially for any bigger organization uh, to, to dig into their processes. But the request has to come from the people who will be using it and not from IT people who uh, maybe see the potential and are aware of it. But uh, if the business is not on the board, then it's just going to be another another BI tool. And then actually it's also the IT people's job 
to uh, you know, educate the business users to to prove them why this could be interesting uh, for them, and to really spark the interest in them. Absolutely, it's being able to look at the business users' pain points, their biggest problems, the things they're struggling with, and being able to give them the best solution to those problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, Patrick. Let's move to number eight, and that is from our colleague uh, Daniel Buche. Uh, episode 11, where we talk about project management in, uh, in process mining, uh, let's say pilots and projects. Um, and what he says is that it's vital to have deadlines both for us and the customers. And Patrick, I know you want to talk about this a bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 important, right? Because obviously we as an external company come to come to our clients and we say, okay, we want to do this thing. They want to do it by year's end or by the end of the quarter or something like that, right? They have a deadline for us, right? But with that, they don't realize comes a whole bunch of deadlines for them as well, right? It's all the work isn't done by us. I'd say a bunch of the work is actually on the client to one, provide us the information, provide us the data, provide us the capacity to validate the data, provide us the capacity for the business people to be involved in the say of it, right? And at the end, have the capacity to train people, have the capacity to and then hand it over, right? So there's a whole bunch of requirements, not just on us. I think the biggest requirements are on them to provide the capacity and, and the, you know, the, the drive and the enthusiasm and the funds to actually get this done, right? So there's the deadlines are um, vital for the customer, for the client to meet so we can actually get it done by their deadlines, right? Yeah, and also the, the differentiating factor here is that... Uh... You know, we are coming with some experience to these process mining projects. Uh, if we are building uh, a purchase to pay or order to cash pro- processes, which FYI, you can go listen to about in our previous episodes, um, we kind of know what to do, right? And uh, it happens rarely uh, that uh, we don't meet the deadlines because implementing a process is relatively straightforward for us. And we luckily already have the experience. But uh, as, as you are saying, then uh, a whole new door of responsibilities of tasks open up. And uh, that's also what I've changed recently in my, uh, let's say, uh, approach to projects in general. And I'm pushing as much as possible for someone taking over the governance of the initiative. Someone who can function a bit cross-department-like, uh, uh, meaning that he has enough of a pool to tell people from different uh, accounting departments, procurement departments, to tell them that they need to do something. Uh, and at the same time, the person has at least certain um, understanding of the technical concept in the background. And then this person can navigate through the project set up deadlines for us. Obviously, we need it as well because otherwise we would just get too uh, too comfortable and wouldn't do anything, <laughs> right, Patrick? Yeah. Um, but also for them because, uh, you, you know, we hand it over, we have these short feedback loops and everything, but if the customer never validates, never delivers, never says, okay, I need to do this and, uh, you know, in order to do this, I need to, to provide you with that. Uh, and these... Um, bottlenecks are occurring, I'm afraid, sometimes. And uh, they can be solved, I think. I think so, too. And I think it's one of those things that you said you need somebody to be able to, I wouldn't necessarily say whip, but more um, 
drive the people to to get these things done and make sure that the people that need to, need to do these have the capacity, right? So that can go to their manager and say, hey, I need this person for um, three days in this week just to, to help me with this thing, right? And be able to have that pull to be able to do that, right? Because I think you know this just as well as I do, that when we come into a project and we tell them, hey, this is not just a, just software that you just click and, you know, we are getting into your business logic, right? We need yeah. to be able to have a good grasp of the business and we need your people to help us do it. Otherwise, it's not going to work, right? So there, there becomes um, a point where they realize that this is going to be a little bit of work, right? And to clear that afterwards is a bit problematic because we need the capacity to do it. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, if we are uh, strictly talking about us only, we are still externals. That uh, we can say whatever we want, but if there is someone from the organization that uh, carries over the message, then uh, it's just us talking, really. Exactly. I mean, we can't push people really to do much. We can stress the point that we need it. But, you know, we can't really be firm and say, you need to get this done yeah. um, or else, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> or else uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, or else nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes a bit frustrating to see that you really, really, you see that you are almost there. That you can almost touch the value, but you just don't don't find anyone who, who would see it and, uh, you know, take over from you. Yeah, and I, I empathize with um, the the users, the business users, and the the people, the IT people especially. You know, they have not just the process mining project going on; they have a ton, yeah. right? So our project isn't as valuable or more valuable than any other project they have going on that day. So um, you know, it's one of those things where obviously us as externals, the our project that we're focusing on with the client is the most important thing. But with them, it's like, well, you know, I have ten other yeah. things to do. Yeah. Um, you have fifteen minutes. Go. You know, yeah. and I empathize with that. You know, um, everyone's very, very busy. Um, so clearing the capacity, um, clearing the time, you know, to actually work with this is is so critical. We are indeed living in a busy world, aren't we, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay, um, moving on to number nine uh, again, coming from our own Daniel Bitch uh, is, and that was surprising to me. Uh, it has to do with trainings, and Daniel said that training is better to do on artificial data rather than on uh, actual customer data. And that probably comes back all the way to point one, where we said that if you give like five people uh, time to do some drilling in the process cockpit, uh, that they would come up with five different results. And what Daniel focused on here and what he tried to emphasize was that while the people are doing the training on their own data, they get somehow taken away from the main goal of the training, and that is uh, for them to understand how to use the tool in the first place and not to search for the value. And uh, dividing these two things can be very important because as a trainer, you... You should know your data set a bit. You should know what to expect when you are showing deviations in the process. And uh, in that way, you can help the, the people uh, to, first of all, uh, explain them what is happening because you've seen it before, you know what to expect, right? But also, um, you know, let them think about the tool rather than about the data. Absolutely. I mean, also as a trainer point of view, you know, out of Daniel's point of view, 
he wants to be able to uh, equip the users with the best way to use the tool, right? So um, getting uh, getting them involved, getting them be able to click all the options, making sure they know how to how what everything means, what everything does, right? So having them just discuss a KPI for 15 minutes is not really conducive to that goal, right? So being able to focus them and saying, this is just sample data, it doesn't matter what it means, it's all fake anyway, you can just click around, it kind of helps it hone in on just being able to use the tool because the data doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah, true story, true story. Uh, did you do any, uh, have you ever done some trainings, Patrick? Um, I have not, uh, so I leave that task up to Daniel. Yeah, I have to say the same. Although I did some intro, uh, some intros and some mentoring. Let's let's call it that way. But training, still very far away from training. Absolutely, because the people that uh, you know we hire have some already um, knowledge of what we do, and you know they have a little bit of uh, external training, internal training, so they already kind of know um, a little bit. Um, but yeah. some business users really look at the tool for the first time, and that can be a, can take a lot more time. Um, to to really um, get down what this tool can do, can't do, and, and things like that. Right. Okay. Um, we are coming to an end. Uh, so second to last point that we have, and that's uh, from myself, Jakub, <laughs> your your uh, co-host of the podcast. And the point is that uh, podcasts open so many doors. Um, and I know it, so uh, this is, uh, I'm, I'm actually working on two podcasts, one uh, minding your business, the other is in my personal space in Czech. Uh, I'm not going to badger you with that, but uh, the, the, the story here is that when you have a platform that you can uh, give to other people, to in, in the business people, to the other developers, to, to really uh, interesting people in your niche, in the topic that you're talking about, you are much more likely uh, to to invite them to get to talk to them and ask them all the questions you ever wished for than if you didn't have such a platform where you can give them this 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 space this this uh, you know pedestal and this is really really great and uh, I feel always so honored and humbled uh, by talking to the guests that we've had uh, the opportunity to interview. Uh, be it Eric Jan van der Linden or, or Lars Reinkemeyer or anyone really who was mentioned in this podcast because it gives myself and also obviously to Patrick a unique opportunity to, to talk to the people uh, who are at the, you know, uh, at the top of what they are doing. Absolutely. It's, it's such a nice feeling to um, say, hey, we have a show. Would you like to come on? And they check it out and they see the, the repertoire of topics we've discussed, the, the, the lineup of guests that we've had. And they say, this seems like a, like a cool um, conversation to have. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, you find yourself, like, like you said, being able to talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to, right? And there are so many fascinating, uh, fascinating people just in the process mining sphere alone that, um, you know, it's it's a very very nice uh, feeling to have to be able to talk to them. Yeah, uh, maybe two points. So um, everybody likes to talk about what they're passionate of, and if you know a person spent twenty years in process mining field and has worked in it for very long, uh, I don't know about you, Patrick, but my girlfriend uh, 
she doesn't really like to listen to me talking about process mining. <laughs> I can imagine. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I can imagine a lot of uh, technical people have similar issues in their relationship. Uh, there's just really no one to, to let go of the steam, uh, except your colleagues, obviously, and even they can get fed up with it. And suddenly somebody approaches you and, uh, you know, writes you, uh, we want you to talk about your work. Uh, and the person, if, if they like the work and if they spend so much time doing it, uh, they would, they will love to accept the invitation, right? Absolutely. And therein comes the challenge. How do we keep them from talking for four hours <laughs> and just kind of condense this into like the 45 minutes to an hour version, True. right? That's where our job comes in. Yeah, just looking at our timeline, we are already 45 minutes in. So you <laughs> see, we can get carried away if we are enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and before we move to the last point, uh, I also said that uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, approaching these guests also comes comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of stress. Honestly, I, I still have, I'm still having a hard time approaching people who, uh, you know, I've been in the field for almost four years and that's nothing compared to some of the guests that we've had before. And, uh, it's, uh, as I said, it's a humbling experience. And, uh, at the same time, I can probably give you a pr bit preview. We are in talks with, uh, with, uh, the, the, the big Will van der Alst, who basically, you know, uh, came up with process mining and also some other very interesting guests. So definitely stay tuned. And we want to bring you to, let's say, to the core people who stood behind uh, this rise of process mining and also the reason why we are doing this podcast now, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Should we do the last one and wrap up? Do it, Patrick. Go, go for it. All right. My key learning here, um, not really learning, just the things that I've discovered or you know noticed is that doing the podcast is so much fun. You know, um, at first, you know, it was like a goofy idea that we threw around at work and then we did it. And then we stood in front of the microphone for the first time and I was sweating. I was sweating <laughs> bullets. It was, it was not a nice time. And I can tell you after 25 of these, I don't sweat anymore. It's, it's <laughs> like having just a normal conversation and just, you know, being able to enjoy yourself, being able to enjoy the, the talk with the person that's in front of you, um, and getting information out of them. And by that, I also think that I've learned a tremendous amount from all the guests and all the episodes we've done, being able to view these um, things that we've learned personally from a completely different set of eyes, different, different set of mindset, history, or experience has been really mind, uh, like, uh, eye-opening, I should say. Mm -hmm. And personally, I think I've um, learned a lot um, from everyone. I've been able to use a lot of it in my own life and in my own work. So thank you, everyone, for that. And um, I look, like Jakub said, I also look forward to our future guests. Um, there's some big names. Um, on the list of the people that we want to talk to, um, a lot more interesting topics that we want to cover. And I still remember when we did the first draft of the list of the things we wanted to talk about, right? And we struggled after like four. <laughs> and here we are at 25 and we have so many more things on the list, right? So it's like, like you said, an iterative process where, you know, the first ideas are meh, but, you know, then we get better and better and we get more comfortable and we're really finding our groove and it's, it's lovely. Yeah, uh, I think you you said it very well, Patrick. And I just wanted to thank you once again for, for listening to us. We are really grateful to see that uh, some people out there are interested in what we've got to say and are excited that we are releasing these, these, this type of content. Uh, it makes us very happy. 
I will repeat, if you want to know anything about us, just get in touch with us, uh, miningyourbusinesspodcast at gmail.com. We always reply the emails. Uh, and uh, if you like us, rate us on, on Apple Podcasts, uh, put us some review. We would love to hear uh, what you think. And as usual, we will be looking forward to uh, talk to you in the next episode in two weeks. So Patrick, thank you very much for today. It's been, it's been fun as usual. As and usual. Uh, let's, talk in, uh, let's talk next time. All right. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.